0: Hey guys, welcome to our last session of our fall semester here at Man Challenge. We're focusing on all who believe uh, in the threat of Jesus departing prayer. Got Chris Burke with us today and you see a new face here, Tom Harper. Yeah. Well, we're concluding this, uh, this Man Challenge fall semester, like I said, with um, session number 11 uh, in this Jesus departing prayer. And we're living in a weird time. That's a obvious statement. But praise God that his word does not need revised additions, right? It's true today just as much and relevant today just as much uh, back when... when, these biblical authors were, were putting this to pen. And so it's always trustworthy. It's always relevant. And so that's why we're diving in. We're not just coming up with topics here at Man Challenge and then trying to find a Bible verse to, mm-hmm. to accommodate what we're wanting to say. And so a mentor of mine years ago, he said this. He said, Ronnie, there's there's many sources that can help you. But he said, there's only one source that can change your life. It's the mm-hmm. main source. And that's mm-hmm. why we are diving into the main source. Uh, if you're new here to Man Challenge, we believe God's word is inerrant meaning it's without error it doesn't have well some of it's true we believe all of it cover to cover contents through maps is true and so um, that's that is our content and context for today so um, we're jumping into seven fantastic verses today to unpack together today's focus is is somewhat rare And I say somewhat rare because typically we read scripture from an author who's speaking to an audience that's not us, and then we take the principles and we can apply them today, which still works. But today we're actually, we are the audience, uh, or at least God's intended, Jesus intended audience here um, that, that we're leaning into. So today we're hearing Jesus' words. Again, this is, like I said last week. This is red letter. These are red letter verses, meaning these are Jesus' firsthand words. It's actually his prayer um, as he's, he's praying for us. And so today we're hearing directly, specifically to us as, as believers. And so, Tom, I'm going to ask you to read for us today's passage, which is John 17,
1: verses 20 to 26. Sure. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message
0: Yeah, thank you. So I want to circle back on verse 20 where we started off. When, when Jesus says his prayer is not only for them, which, you know, if we go the previous 14 verses, he's, he's praying for his disciples, but this, it's like a, a pre-multiplication multiplication yep. type of prayer. See, his disciples were his plan um, for multiplying his message. That's why he lived with them. He ate, drank, slept with them. And because he basically was like, I want a model for you guys to follow. And fellas, we are also Jesus' plan for multiplying his message some 2,000 years later. And so this prayer is for us. You know, I love that that illustration, analogy, whatever we call it, when somebody says, Hey, would you rather have $100,000 cash right now or a penny? A day that doubles every day for 30 days, and you know, at first it's like, or you dropped on your head as a kid, like, <laughs> give me the hundred K. But when you do the math, it comes that penny a day comes up to like 54 million dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, for the first 15 to 18 days, it's like nothing, and so hmm. I just that's what made me think of that when I was reading this verse. You know, just this whole it was like a it was like a multiplication type of prayer. He's like, hmm. man, I'm not only praying for them, but I'm praying. For, yep. for those that they're mm-hmm. influenced and just, just, just trickling. Us. Yeah, for us. All the way to us. We wouldn't be sitting here if it That's wasn't. Right. That's why we're um, here. That's right. For that. So that really, really challenged me. It challenges me that, man, his his prayer was like, he, he not only gave us a model for how to pray, but it, his prayer life had vision to it. Like, I don't, that's not something I think about a lot. It was mm-hmm. Hey, how, how's the vision in your prayer life? But mm-hmm. his his prayer had vision to it. It was like well, constantly. I, I, I'm sure
2: you guys could both relate to, let's just say, praying for your daughter. There are times when I'm kneeling by her bed that the Spirit just moves me. I'll mm. just pray for her, Lord willing, husband to be one day. And zero prompting, zero, like, you know, there's nothing... Um, circumstantial that would lead me to that other than God just putting that on my heart and I'm as I'm praying for her, I'm I'm seeing yeah, and that's what, being what, sensitive to the holy spirit mm, in the moment what's lying in yeah. front of this person in front of me and so Jesus knows what he's sending them out to do He knows what he's calling them to do mm. and as he's praying the spirit is revealing to him those that will come after yeah. through their faithfulness and he starts praying for us It's really cool
0: <laughs> Yes that is it's com- Mind blown if you think mm-hmm. about it. Well, let's move on. To verse, verse 21. Um, Tom, what what significantly sticks out to you here?
1: Well, this verse? this verse really sets the stage for one of the overarching topics for today, which is unity. His basic prayer is is for unity in us today, and it, unity is a short word, but it's just a really simple concept. Uh, and there's, there's so much to mine out of this word and so much packed into these verses today. He says that all of them may be one father, just as you are in me and I am in you. And I don't know about you, but when I come across a verse like that, it sort of, sort of goes over my head as if I'm reading it. Um, and you know, if I'm reading it casually or quickly, it goes over my head. Cause I'm like, well, what does that really mean? And I'm reading, I'm gonna keep going on past mm-hmm. it. And not all the Bible is like this, fortunately. But sometimes when you get to a verse that doesn't make sense, you just have to stop and think a bit before you, you carry on and you move on to the next one. And the other thing to do is pray for understanding. You know, we just mentioned the Holy Spirit works with us in the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, He can work with you as you read the Word. He can reveal it to you as you read it. And, and so that that is that occurred to me first as, as I as I read this, as I read this verse. Um, But back to unity. So we can understand how to be unified with people. You know, we can be like-minded. We can call ourselves Christians. And there's some obvious markers that point to our unity. But it's the just as connector in this verse that I think takes us to Hmm. a whole new level. Just as you are in me, Father, you are in me as Christ, Christ. We're to be one just as they are one. Now that's a high bar. Yeah. How in the world do we do that? Well, the first way to answer that is to, is to ask well, how really uh, is Jesus in the Father and the Father in, in Jesus? And, and I think we come back to our fatherhood, you know, praying for my daughter, for your kids. And, and as dads, how are we in our children? You know, that's a place to start, Hmm. understanding this. Our kids may look like us, they may have some of the same mannerisms, they may speak like us, there's a genetic imprint. But as some of you know, uh, when you adopt a child, there's still a way of thinking, a belief system, values, approach to life and so much more that our children pick up from us over time. And so, you know, of course, some children will go astray. You know, but what we're talking about here is the norm and really the goal of parenthood is is this this father, because we're all men here, father-child unity. So just as Jesus and His Father are one in spirit, will, holiness, power, and love, and so much more, they're almost interchangeable in in, in a way. Mm -hmm. in In a way that we can't really be with our children. Um, in fact, sometimes you may get confused when you pray. Do I pray to the Father, to the Son, or to the Holy Spirit? Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up Episcopalian and you say, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's almost like one glob of, mm-hmm. <laughs> of mm-hmm. divinity. And
0: le- and two weeks ago, Joe Donaldson did a good job of like, it's all yeah. three. You prayed mm-hmm. all three. Right. You can pray to
1: any of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they There's are no inter- wrong,
0: interchangeable.
1: Wrong point person. Yeah. But they're, they're one on, on deep levels that, that we can't even fathom. So um, for our own unity, you know, we start with loyalty. Um, you know, it, it's more than loyalty. It's more than than similar political beliefs, cultural views. We should strive more for more than simple, um, similar theology, or music preferences, uh, worship styles. And it's more than I love you, bro. You know, unity and 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 love is more than that but that love is is the key that unlocks unity that's how we start to enter in to this this divine concept of unity and we as christians should join together in a way that no one else outside you know the church can and that is through this love that is really deep mm. and really powerful but again it's it's more than just hey i love you man you know i love you bro mm. and uh and not long ago, you guys studied John 15, 12, and he says, love each other as I have loved you. So we, we can do this, mm. you know, we, we can love, you know, and, and but there, there, there's going to be times where the church, within the church, there's a lack of love, you know, and division. And Jesus' plea in his prayer here is to go beyond the, the petty controversies we have in church, you know, the the bitter divisions that often plague our relationships within the church and, and, and outside. And to go for this love that, that binds us as Christians together so that we can overcome grievances and demonstrate to the world this, this powerful love and that um, would, would go out into the world as an example in such a way that people are attracted to it. Mm. You know, non-believing people are... Are, are attracted to it. So that's that's kind of what I see in that first, okay. the second verse. So
0: this right? passage doesn't directly or doesn't expressly talk about it, but Jesus is addressing his father clearly here. Mm-hmm. So, and Joe, two weeks ago, talked about how our earthly fathers influence, like how we view our heavenly father just, um, oh, yeah. and, you know, obviously, spoiler alert, none of our fathers were are perfect, even, even yeah. um, those that we have, really positive memories. So what was your relationship with your
1: dad like growing up? I grew up looking at him as my hero. I did not grow up as a believer. I, I was in the church. I grew up in a, in, a, in, a, in a Episcopal church. I was an acolyte. You may not know what an acolyte is. It's, it's the kid in the robe that carries the cross in front of the procession mm-hmm. at the beginning of the service. Catholic I, church, we call that altar boy. There you go. Sa- there you go. Same thing. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't know Christ. Um, my father... Uh, the very telling quote, he said, he, and he, he was not a believer. He said, I put in my time in, in church. I'm, I'm done with church, I, mm. I, I put in my time. And, I, and that shaped my, my belief system, my, my beliefs about church into a works mentality that I think a lot, a lot of us guys deal, a lot of people, I mean, in general, just deal with. Um, but he, he died when he was 60, I, so 16 years ago i 'm 51 and the older I get, the closer I get to 60 I'm like, man, I don't think I could be any more different than my father, hmm. because up to the end, he was not a believer, and I was wrestling with the Lord, I was crying out to the Lord, "Will you save?" This is like the night before my, my father passed away from cancer. Hmm. He was diagnosed with cancer um, on say day one, 30 days later, on day 30, he was gone, hmm. and that's how Life can be, you know, so we we don't know what life's going to hold in store for us. So um, I look I look back on that relationship with him. I'm thankful for how he loved me, even though it was not a a Christian, you know, Christ informed love. Uh, He still loved me, and that was really foundational. Even though I didn't have any of the theology or, or faith, you know, but I was a seeker. I think what that did is it opened me up to seek. Hmm. That's how important my relationship with with him was, even though he wasn't a believer. He allowed me to, to seek after my own, uh, on my own path, what truth is. And that's what led me to faith eventually. That's awesome. Burke, what was your relationship with your dad
0: like growing up?
2: Uh, it was fantastic, you know. Um, centered around uh, faith and family and sports and uh you know i was raised catholic and uh, my dad devout catholic guy but i think you know i in some regards i feel um uh, almost uh overly fortunate that i had a dad that i feel like modeled uh my dad's not a perfect guy uh, but he has a wisdom about him and a presence about him that i think it's very easy for me to picture those same qualities of God, our father. Hmm. Um, and that's not to glorify my dad in a way that's, uh, blasphemous because he's not that I'm very aware of my dad's faults, but, uh, very grateful for, uh, the relationship we still have, you know, just, just, so, just a dude that you can count on for wisdom. And I could unpack that, uh, forever, but, uh, you know fortunate for uh his his guidance throughout all different phases of my life.
0: What about you? My dad is one of my biggest encouragers um you know, I could point at a lot of different things, but it's easy for me to look at Heavenly Father as a good, good father mm-hmm. because I mean my dad was in ministry, but he always prioritized me above the church not his relationship with Jesus, and so I never felt like I was competing with with the church and so um but anyway he's even to this day he he's one of my biggest encouragers that's awesome uh, I'm grateful for that cuz man I see a lot of dudes trying to work their tail off to try to win approval or, you know at a
2: boy and my dad's always
0: always yeah, been I mean, that
2: way as a Tennessee fan you know I wish Nick Saban's dad would have hugged him a little bit so he could just retire you know for some <laughs> reason he just He's got something left to prove to his dad, you know. Is that what the T means on your shirt? Nick, you, you've done well, Nick. You can call it a career. Would you please go to a farm somewhere? Anyway, back to Jesus. Might as well talk <laughs> about Jesus and Nick Saban. So
0: I'm gonna combine verses 22 and, and 24, uh, and I'm gonna have, Burke, I'm gonna ask you about it. Yeah. You know, and you know, just two weeks ago, again, we talked about glory. And it's a theme that's been present for the past couple of weeks, and I love what Robin said last week. Like, whenever we see a word or a term or a concept repeated over and over, and, and quite a few times in this this chapter and, and beyond, it must be important. Mm-hmm. So, what do you see? You know, verses 22 to 24, uh, and like, just what what insights and what significantly sticks out?
2: Well, yeah, I'll just just to, just to kind of read back through. I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. So again, he's talking to all believers, talking about unity, that they may be one as we are one. Um, That's his prayer. His prayer for us as believers is that they would be one as he and the Father are one. Um, Not to get us off on a rabbit trail, but, you know, we could look at this and say, was Jesus' prayer answered? I mean, to be, be really interesting to say, okay, well, why do we have all these denominations? If Jesus Christ prayed to God the Father that we would be one, why aren't we one? Why don't we all go to the same church? Why don't we all fall under? You know, that's a deep one. Maybe I should bring Robin back in to let Robin uh, (laughs) unpack that. But at the bottom line is we can be unified and still sit in different churches on Sunday. We can be unified in our love, like you talked about. We can be unified in our uh, desire to take the unity that we know Jesus wants for us as a body of believers and take that into the workplace, take that into uh, our spheres of influence as far as trying to be peacemakers and trying mm-hmm. to promote uh, atmospheres and attitudes of love. Uh, but it is, it is interesting because obviously Satan's at work in our world. And here Jesus's prayer was that we would be one as he and the Father are one, yet The church is not one uh, from a denominational standpoint. Uh, We like to think we're unified under a common belief, but just kind of an interesting thing to wrestle with um, because we know that God answers prayers in his time according to his ways. So sometimes when we pray things that we think make perfect sense, that we wish God would just do and he doesn't, um, I don't know, for some reason for me, I've just been kind of wrestling with that as I've read through this. So here's Jesus's prayer, yet... Has that really come to fruition the way even he was praying it in that moment? Uh, the other thing I think about, you asked me to go through verse um, 24 is, Father, I want, I want those who you have given me to be with me where I am and see my glory the way you have given me, uh, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. So this is a repeat. He said this in verse five, and I thought Joe and, and Mason and Sam did a great job of unpacking just the, Jesus is God. He was there with God before the creation of the world. He's repeating that. Uh, and a lot of this prayer is he's going back and kind of praying through what he's just said to them over the last couple of chapters. He's kind of praying that God would do in them what he's just taught to them. Um, but that that you remember in, uh, in chapter 16, verse five, when when he talks about where he's going, and then he looks at him and goes, how come none of y'all are asking me where I'm going? You're so full with grief. You're not asking me where I'm going. Now he's praying that they would see where he's going. Hmm. Um, so just, I feel like this is very much a culmination of kind of this entire discourse. Uh, but I thought Mason made a point that I want to just kind of reiterate. Uh, Two weeks ago. A couple of weeks ago. <clears throat> He is talking about this glory, revealing this glory, you know, you know, reveal to them the glory that you have, have given me, your glory. And then he goes off and gets beaten and crucified. Mm. Mm. You know, most of us like, hey, man, Ronnie, would you reveal to these dudes my glory? It'd be great, you know? And we think, well, I'll put a highlight film up there or something like that. Like, the glory of God is to, and Tom, I'd love to hear you this, like I wrote, he, like, what was the glory that God gave Jesus to be a humble servant? Mm-hmm. To be a sacrificial lamb, uh, to be the role of bringing others to the Father, uh, to be a representation of grace and love and truth. So it's like, okay, Jesus is praying that uh, we, you know, that that the glory that you have given me, that we would see and that we would be a representation of. Like, what a mantle that is! It may be related
1: to. Um, very simply, the cross, because you know he tells us that we need to bear our own crosses, and what does that what does that mean to you know to do that? And looking back at Jesus' own experience of bearing the cross, mm-hmm. he, he was in pain. He knew what was coming. This mm-hmm. world had trouble beyond trouble for him, and 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 I think the one of the things that this word glory points to is the cross. And that is where we land and we have to start understanding how is the, clock, the cross glorious if it was this blood-stained, you know, pieces of wood nailed together with this hanging our savior mm-hmm. in his bodily be- form, mm-hmm. being.
2: Yeah. how is that, glo- mm-hmm. you know, how is that glory personified? Mm-hmm. But it is. Yeah, that's God's, that's God's economy, that's, that's only, yeah. only God. Oh, that's why we know these words to be true, because man would not call that glory. Mm. Man would be here's ten thousand version and a, and, a, yeah. and, a, and a palace on the hills. Yeah, that doesn't right? make the S B awards. No, no, but it wouldn't be glory if it stopped at the cross,
0: right? You know, I think I think because we can now, in hindsight, be like, yeah, it was. What did the Lord cross mean? Because because it didn't stop there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Praise God, because right we wouldn't on. be here either. Um, was, but the, you know
2: th- that definition of glory that we got a couple weeks back. I just. Glory is the weight and splendor of all God's attributes, the magnitude of who he is. The glory that God gave Jesus to reveal, and we're gonna talk about this here in verse 26, is his love. And that's why Mm -hmm. it points to the cross and that's why it points to the resurrection because that is the magnitude of God is. It was played out uh, a couple thousand years ago on the cross. Mm. It's good stuff.
0: We're gonna ping pong just for a Mm -hmm. minute. Go back to 23. Um, Tom, you know in this one it, it uses the term complete unity yeah what 's
1: significant about that you know that just that jumps out because it 's not just unity it 's complete unity which which you know says it 's on a different level and and it almost seems like it takes it on a level away from us out of our grasp to to understand and, and and embody it. But I wanna read th- this verse in the NLT, just uh, the New Living Translation, because it's just a little clearer. Um, and and as, as you read through the Bible, it's okay to look at different translations and compare and contrast because it can fill in some gaps of understanding sometimes. And it did that for me here. Let me just read this, this, uh, this verse in the, the NLT. It says, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So not that much different, but I think it adds a little bit of, of clarity in verse 23. And so back to the question, how in the world do we ever achieve perfect unity? And, and what does he even mean by, by perfect unity? And overall, we, as we've said, he's, he's, he was praying for unity of love and obedience to God and his word and really a united commitment to his will. And that's how we can all unify together. But what I did um, is I I dove in to the deep end on on this one and if you'll indulge me, I, I found several verses that help explain this concept of complete unity because I think this is so important in our fractured world right now to understand how we can be unified and what does it mean. And what does it look like? And so here's seven ways. I don't. You probably have some note takers in, in the group, mm-hmm. uh, but seven ways we should be unified as believers. And I I've, these are supporting verses from other parts of the Bible. I'm going to zoom through them. And if any one of them is interesting to you, and you didn't get a chance to write down the actual verse, just write down the address. You know where it is in the Bible if that verse jumps out to you. So the first is that we should be on the same team, and uh, you know with a nod to. Chris and the, the, the yeah, we, team. We all should so, root for Tennessee, you're right. Yeah, right. I agree with that. Um, you know, we, so you probably say we should all wear the same uniform no matter what, right? But that's true in, in our brotherhood here of believers. Galatians 3, 26 through 28 says, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's that uniform in a way. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So that's being on the same team. We're all unified as a team. Um, Colossians 3, 13 and 14, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. There's that concept of perfect or complete unity. Secondly, we should work as one body. Romans 12, five through six. So in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. First Corinthians 12, 13, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. And then Ephesians 4.16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So that's the, that's the body analogy that, mm. that Paul talks about. Uh, the third way is, is fellowship. We should be one in, in fellowship. And really uh, there's a section in the Bible that talks about the first church, like how did this first church operate and and, and how were they unified? And, and Acts two forty two through 47 is the place you can go to to really read all these verses. I'm just gonna pick and choose a couple. Uh, verse 44 of Acts 2 says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. 46 says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. There's your unity, they physically together. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So their unity created that multiplication effect that you were mentioning in in the opener today. Uh, Fourth, we should live like a unified family. Galatians 3, 26 and then 29 says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Verse 29, you are all one in Christ Jesus. Illustrating... Our unity as a family—we're all one in Christ. You know, He's He is our brother, uh, and we are all brothers together. And then Ephesians four thirty through thirty-two says, "And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own in the family. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all the types of evil behavior." Instead be kind to each other, tender hearted, forgiving one another, just as through God through Christ has forgiven you. And this is how a family should operate, especially during the holidays that we've got upon us right now hmm. over the next month or so. Uh, fifth is we should obey like a unified kingdom. We need to see ourselves as as a kingdom with a, a ruler. And back in the Old Testament, Ezekiel 37. 21 and 22 says, I will gather, this is God speaking, I will gather the people of Israel from among the nations. I will bring them home to their own land from the places where they have been scattered. One king will rule them all. I almost wanted to say one ring, you know, one ring will rule them all. No, it's one king, that's Jesus, will rule them all. No longer will they be divided into two nations or into two kingdoms. Kind of like our country feels at times Mm -hmm. in, in two nations. And then, um, Number six, we should be unified against our common enemy. And I think I I heard you use these verses about in 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9, your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. So when we we remember that we're unified in our sufferings, we can stand against our common enemy. And then the last one uh, is we should, be of one mind. That's the last way we can be unified. Uh, just two verses. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. There's a tall order. <laughs> and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be unified and united in the same mind and the same judgment. And then the last verse, Philippians 2.2. Complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love being in full accord and of one mind. So this was just a, a kind of a side Bible study that I just felt like I, I'm intrigued by this concept of complete unity. And, and, and it just helps me understand John seventeen twenty three about how we can be brought to complete unity like Jesus and the Father are. And, and this is the human way to do it, but with a spiritual underpinning. And uh so I hope I didn't go too long in that, but uh I just thought it'd help us understand a little better.
0: No, I was getting ready to ask you if there's a restroom between now and the <laughs> end of your story because I was gonna have to go, but no, it was good. I'm kidding. It was good. Uh circle back on any of those that stuck out to you guys at your tables today. I'm gonna uh briefly talk verse twenty five and really I think it's you know when it <clears throat> says righteous father. Um last week we heard robin tell us about how in verse 11 when jesus referred to god as holy father it's the only time in scripture which i didn't know that um before robin said that where he referred to his father as holy Mm. father and so you see these different um adjectives that jesus is using to describe his father um they're all positive attributes you know none of them are fierce scary you know negative father and righteous i mean i just think man what a you know, my father and I were one. And so he's going, man, I know my father and he is righteous. Like, you know, I, I think there's no bigger compliment for me than when my wife Tish um, gives me a specific compliment, not to mean that you, call you righteous. Well, I'm still, <laughs>
1: you're holding out. It we're 20 years in, yeah. I think
0: 2021 is going to be my year, but I don't know. But anyway, just righteous term, man, it's, I know my father. We're, we're one, and he is righteous. That's just such a powerful adjective to describe um, to describe his dad. Burke, verse twenty-six. Yesterday, you texted me uh, this verse with. It's not one, not two, but three. I, usually, I like
2: three. Sometimes. Three.
0: Yeah. It's trinitarian. Mm-hmm. Three fire emojis next to it. The the only other person I know that uses the same progression is Jay Dortch. Oh okay, um, yeah, he his, loves emojis. In his emoji, yeah, he can never put enough emojis. But take us a few moments <laughs> Take a few moments to unpack why this verse out of this whole package passage stuck out to you above the others. And well, yeah, I have lot.
2: made, verse 26, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. And so I, I just, when the world gets tough, things get ugly, things get dark. Uh, we go through global pandemics and racial divides and an ugly election. And it's easy to, God, where are you? God, who are you? Um I think about this verse, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known. So Jesus showed us who God was. And so when I get wrestling with the character of God and where is he and what's he doing and how's he working, I just, I return to Jesus. And what what did God show us through Jesus? Um, And and what do we know that, that God is? God is love and he showed us that love through Jesus. Um, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. And he showed us that love on the cross and he showed us that love, uh, really through this beautiful prayer that Mm -hmm. Jesus has just laid out where he really kind of gives us that glimpse into his heart. Um, and you know, so then I started thinking about obviously John 3 16, God so loved the world. God is love. So we start wrestling with where is God and who is God and why does God allow this to happen? Like I just have to return to what I know to be true about God's character. Um, what has God called me to do? He's called me to love him and love others. Um, and to go and make disciples in his name. And so I just, I don't know. I just, this kind of just note to the guys, like as, as you wrestle through the rough stuff of life and you, you get in those moments where you're wondering where, where is God? Who is God? Just remember like Jesus came to reveal to us who God is, Mm -hmm. to show us who God was in the, in, in flesh and blood. And, um, and it comes back to the cross, like you were comes saying. Comes back to the and cross. That's man. how he
1: illustrated how much he loves him.
2: And so uh, he didn't, he didn't, he just, last chapter, he didn't tell us things were going to be easy. He said, when yeah. you uh, face trials, right, uh, hmm. take heart, I've overcome the world. And so it just does my soul good, man. I, I put three fire emojis because when I get wrestling with the things of this world, it's just a great reminder for me to know that Jesus personified God's love and that is who God God is. He is love. Um, so anyway, that's it. That's where it comes from. And he's our model. He is. Like it's not any of us. He is our model. And he's given us a calling to represent that today, tomorrow. Hmm. Uh, as long as we we carry that banner. Awesome. Uh, so Tom, what's what's your bottom line
0: takeaway from from the this passage? What do you what do you see that would how would you put a bow on that for
1: yeah? Your perspective? The, the the word unity is is my is my word from from this. And you know, I, I went through so many ways to be unified and, and it's hard to remember all those, it's hard to live them all out. And so what I what I wanted to do was like, okay, what are two things I, I can do, you know, to 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 lean into this unity that we're supposed to have as as believers. And I found two, there are two kinds of unity. There's unity of the spirit and unity in the faith. And there's just uh, two verses that I'm going to just use as my support for that. So this unity of the spirit is Ephesians 4, 3 through 6. And, and what I like about this, verse 3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Well, there's effort. So that means we can do something. As guys, we want to know what are our instructions? What Mm -hmm. are our marching orders? Where do we go? What do we do? And that jumped out to me. And so through the bond of peace. Um, and, And then it goes on to talk about this unity of the spirit because we were called to one hope. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And man, you can't get any stronger of a depiction of unity than that sentence right there. Mm-hmm. That, that is unity from God's perspective. So that unity of the spirit that we can work on through this bond of peace. So mm-hmm. unity and peace, you could couple those words. The other one is called unity in the faith. And it's from a little, little farther in Ephesians four, it's verse 13. And it says, until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So there's our vision, you know. We talked about the, the, the vision of, for unity that, that Christ has. I think this unity in the faith comes as we make every effort to keep unity of the Spirit. You know, we, uh, we reach this unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. And so that's one of the reasons I love man challenge is that it helps us to attain and and at least get along that path toward maturity and attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You know, we can build up this unity by building each other up as, as men. And that's through encouragement, through fellowship at your tables and in your groups. And then we can do it through this, through getting trained up in the word, you know, which is what I love what you've been doing you guys um with this this semester of this all this this teaching um and so building each other up getting trained up in the word helps us make these this effort of unity through peace Mm -hmm. so it's it's a lot a lot to unpack but you know i just i just think of of unity and
2: and peace as maybe my two key words that i walk away with
1: awesome thank you tom
2: what about you burke i would just say how are we you know my main challenge would be you know how are we uh how are we making god 's glory how are we revealing god's glory day to day in the, in the in the circles that we run in what what has God done in our hearts that we are revealing to the world in our relationships to others uh, to make him known uh, in a way that people would uh, to whatever degree we're able to do that uh, lean in mm. and, and want to know what what about uh, this great God is is worth following. Uh, and I just, uh, the, the, the prayer of Jesus that uh, the glory of God would be revealed in him uh, and then through the line of believers that would come through the disciples. Like, how are we living that out daily? Yeah, that's good.
0: Uh, I think of the scene in Gladiator when uh, Russell Crowe and, and these guys are thrown into this. I mean, they're basically just bait. Mm-hmm. But he says, "Men, I have no idea what's coming this, but we have a better chance of surviving if we stay together you know un- mm-hmm. if we stay mm-hmm. unified, and you know the whole thing plays out with guys leaving the unity and they got right. annihilated, mm-hmm. and I think that's a you know that's not a biblical movie, but it's a <laughs> biblical concept, it is. yeah, because it's like I mean we are stronger together mm-hmm. um and so I love that concept and and I love you know, unpacking those seven different types of unity and I one um, thing I think is worth clarifying is pursuing unity doesn't mean we agree on everything. And it also doesn't right. mean we become uh, vanilla and we, you know, kind of turn our brains in at the door and just become minions or yes people. Mm-hmm. That's not what you, biblical unity is. You know, and you, you talked about wearing, wearing the same jersey. You can wear the same jersey and still not be unified. That's right. right. Um, so there's nothing magical about, about that. There, yeah. But if we are called to be distinctly different not better, but distinctly different and being, using Jesus as our model and having that unified pursuit, it's like that will grab the world's attention. You know, John 13:35 said, Jesus said, by this, everyone will know you're my disciple, mm-hmm. d- disciples if you love one another. You can't mm-hmm. have love and disunity. Like it's, they, mm-hmm. right. they contradict each other. And so fellas, if we will commit to pursuing unity, even when we disagree um, to rise above that and be like, we are on the same team and remember that, remind ourselves of that. It will it will turn heads in this community. It already, it already does. It mm-hmm. already has. Yeah. And that's that is our unified purpose and mission. Like, that's it.
1: I can tell you one of the things I love about our church that has been true for decades has been at the very uh, core of the leadership of the church, with the elders, there is always unity. I'd always heard that the elders don't do anything in, in, unless there is a, a total agreement, mm. and sometimes that takes debate and 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 you know a, a spirited conversation to get there. But they end up at a solid place. and And I just heard recently a, a bunch of pastors of mega churches got together, and they were all talking about their elders at their churches. and One of and several of them said, "Man." I have to manage my elders. They they, they give me grief. And and within our church, that is a foreign concept. You know, Kyle and Dave and and Bob, all throughout their tenures as the senior pastors, they they would say the same thing, that the unity of of the leadership within the church has been amazing and has been one of the reasons I think that God has blessed the church. Mm-hmm. with Yeah, I agree. it's growth. God-honored. So, guys, thank you for leaning in, helping
0: yep. us unpack that. And, uh, fellas, we're gonna turn it over. We'll pop up some table discussion questions on the on the screen that'll stay stay put. But it's been an awesome semester. Uh, before you dismiss today for meeting, make sure you put a plan together between now and January when we resume because we're not saying, hey, see you in January. It's just uh, you guys figure out what you're gonna do as a group the next six weeks or so. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, Reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media.